Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everyone. Shep Hyken here back on Amazing Business Radio. Very excited today because back in the house is Murph Krajewski. Murph is with Sharpen. Sharpen is a company that improves contact center agents' experiences in the process of helping solve customers' experiences. In other words, they do what they can to enhance the agent's experience, which is really important. That's the internal customer. Not so much today we're going to be talking about contact centers. I think it's going to be relevant to everybody because we're going to be talking about a term that's kind of I don't know. I've never really liked the term, and I'm going to say it's it's never been a thorn in my side. But when I hear the term, I cringe a little bit. That term is omni-channel. So omni-channel, what the heck is omni-channel? What does it mean? I remember uh, yeah. writing articles. I remember reading articles and people wanting to, you know, every time, is he going to write about omni-channel? No, I hate the word. I'm going to call it something else. Murph, that's what we're talking about today. Welcome back to Amazing Business Radio. You have a take on this whole omni-channel concept. Let's go ahead and jump right into it. Yeah. Hey, well, if, first of all, it's great to talk to you again. Thanks for having me back. Um yeah, omni-channel is a, uh, a really annoying buzzword, um, and I've been in the contact center space for, I don't know, nearly 20 years now, and kind of watched it come over like a wave where, you know, first contact centers talked about different terms and, um, you know, kind of expressed their, their feature sets in different ways, and then somebody said omni-channel, and everybody grabbed a hold of it. Um, and yet nobody really knew what it meant. And it was, it was kind of like the early days of unified communications. Well, what the heck does really that mean? Nail it down. What is unified? Yeah, no. exactly. <laughs> but let's, first of exactly. all, for all those listening, let's give, uh, for those that might not know, or might, you know, just be a little confused. Today's, uh, basic definition of omni-channel is. Well, I think omnichannel is it's more of a mindset than a, a definable term. I think it's it's uh more of a way of being wherever a customer or a prospective buyer happens to be. Right. And I right. think that's that's the Yeah, today's concept it is a mindset, but even just a year ago or two or three years ago the concept of omni-channel was all of the different channels. Think of the word omni. Uh, it's like you've misspelled the word multi and called it omni. Okay, right. Uh, multi-channel meaning there's numerous ways customers can connect with a company. So let's just take it from the straight retail experience. Uh, I can buy from a store by walking in the store or by going online. So there's two different channels. However, I can communicate with the store by going into the store and talking, going online and emailing or interacting through a chatbot, picking up the phone and calling customer support, going on a social media channel like Facebook or Twitter and making a comment or going to Yelp or TripAdvisor, depending on the kind of business you're in. Those are all these different channels. And understanding Omni is just another word for multi-channel. Um, freedom's just another word for Nothing left. No, that's <laughs> nothing that, left that, to lose. <laughs> <laughs> Omni is just another word for multi-confusing channels. And and I think your point is this: today it's a mindset where most people uh, think about, okay, we're gonna we're gonna make ourselves available on as many channels as possible for a customer to make it uh, make it as easy as possible for a customer to reach us. Hence, we have an omni-channel strategy. Exactly. 
right? But, yeah, I, th- I think the, yeah, the, the hard thing for people to get their head around is the fact that the word channel exists in term. And so that's kind of the distracting part where people think omni-channel must be about a lot of channels, mm-hmm. when really it's more about the omni part of it, which is the ubiquity of it. Right. So that's the whole but here. But here's where it gets confusing. A channel is a channel is a channel. The word omni is what makes it, and I love the word ubiquitous. Uh, that's a great word. Uh, I think that's that takes us up above the fifth grade level of communication. We we try to <laughs> seriously. It's a great word, and it's and I think it describes exactly what's going on here. And this is why people are confused. And the other thing is 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 I have a note here from uh, the notes that you sent over is that your research mm-hmm. shows that it wasn't even a customer service term. Uh, it really started out to be uh, tied to marketing. Right. Yeah. When I was digging in, I don't know, it's probably been a month, month and a half ago. I just, I said, you know what, I really need to get my head around what this thing means, where it came from, how did this whole buzzword start? Um, And the earliest mentions that I can find of it are in marketing terms where they wanted to put marketing messages in front of wherever a consumer or a potential buyer might be. Um, So, uh, you know, in marketing terms, that could be a billboard, a radio ad, um, an in-store flyer, uh, you know, mailer, whatever. They wanted to be sure that wherever their um, potential revenue sources were, their messaging was in front of them. Um, And so then I think that's where uh, the, the channel part kind of caught the attention of contact centers and things got a little got a little weird from there Mm -hmm. so basically uh i think that and and let's let's call it the way it is today i say customer service is marketing and if if omni channel originally was a marketing term focused on being wherever your customers are it's the same thing for customer service we want to be wherever our customers are and i think that's the point we're trying to make and what makes it difficult is you know hey we're um, where do we start? What what channels do we need to be on? And I think therein lies the issue with why multi-channel or omni-channel becomes confusing or a daunting project to some companies because they go, well, right. gosh, you know, which channels should we be on? And, the, and my response has always been, you need to be where your customers are. We need to be in yep. all of those places? Well, oh, I, okay. Well, let's. which customers don't you want to do business with? Right, it's a good question. Yeah, so I mean, what's your take on that? I mean, uh, it, it, doing how do you do that? There's and and does the sharpen software or do you know of a software program? Because I know of plenty that you know you think of that is like the optimum solution to helping a company cover all the different channels, at least at least monitor all the different channels. Yeah, I, I think the 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 marketing versus customer service. Um, divide is kind of the um, marketing is looking to give messages where customer services needs to be ready to receive messages, right? Mm-hmm. So they've, they've secured the buyer, they've made the purchase, um, and now this person needs some help with their product. And so a company needs to, number one, determine how their, their customers want to reach out to them. How are they trying to reach out to them? Maybe it's through social media, maybe it's through email, um, you know, however, those those avenues of communication, that's the first part of identification is what are your customers trying to do in order to get help from you? 
and then, like you said, be there. You know, identify. I think your question was perfect. Which customers do you not want to communicate with? Right. Right. You you want to support all of your customers, and you want to do so in a way that makes them feel comfortable and known. Um, and yeah, I happen to know of a, a piece of software that is perfect for such a thing. Um, that's what we do at Sharpen. We create communication software for contact centers that actually frees them up from worrying about the list of channels that they have or don't have. Um, you know, with Sharpen, yes, you have them all. The question is no longer, which channels do I need to buy? The question is, um, which channels do our customers want to use in order to get in touch with us? Um, and then you have them. And it's just a matter of spinning them up or not spinning them up and um, connecting with your customers that way. All right. Perfect. Perfect. And now what I, I want to digress for a moment or, or jump to another lane, uh, and then we'll come back mm-hmm. to the whole omni-channel concept and multi-channel and no-channel or whatever. As a matter of fact, uh, I do want to mention that my friend Jeff Nicholson over at Pegasystems, he talks about the no-channel thing. It shouldn't be about omni-channel or multi-channel. It just you know, the customer doesn't care about that word. The customer only cares about connecting with you. So in their mind, it's just no channel. It's just, this is how I connect. makes no difference. But I want to jump ship for a moment and I'll get back on it. But you mentioned um, all the, uh, several different channels. And I don't remember what sparked my uh, thought here, but what do you think a reasonable period of time is to respond, say, to somebody that, uh, let's start with email. I want to go with email. I want to go with a tweet. I want to go with a Facebook post. And by the way, it, it could be a complaint or it can be a compliment. And uh, is is there a difference in how you respond or how quickly you respond? But I want to get your take on it, seeing that this is really what your business is all about. Sure. Yeah, I, I think the the answer is frustratingly it depends. Um, as you mentioned, it, you know, if it's a an email that is a a, a very urgent issue that you know a, a customer has a service outage or a product is you know completely broken and something needs to happen very quickly, obviously that needs to get escalated and um, worked through as quickly as possible. Okay, so um, so stop for a second. Time out there because yeah. you're in the context in our world. If I mm-hmm. send an email, and you know, would the, do you know what the average response time for email is from companies? Uh, I don't, but I know with email, um, it's typically a slower response time. One right. of our customers yeah, actually worked through that. Yeah, it's pretty abysmal on average. However, mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about that email that has an, a, an, an urgency tied to it. And I have an outage. Mm-hmm. I have something down. Is the reason? I'm not getting a response is because the companies aren't reading it until three or four or seven or 10 hours or two days from now, or are they reading it and then just putting it in the queue to be dealt with later? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, we've, we've hit on email as an interesting example. I think email has already become sort of a, an old school communication method. Um, and I believe there's, there's an expectation around it where um, email is less urgent than other types of communication typically. Um, and so I think there, that does cause contact centers to handle it at a slower rate. Um, and some of it as well is just the nature of the way email is processed through systems where, you know, you may be using social media, which is very instant type of communication or uh, text messaging, SMS, um, or even web chat, which is very real time. So compared to those types of channels, 
email just is able to sort of sit and wait until you can get to it. Um, and so I think there's a stigma involved right. there that and, yeah, and I think it's a stigma. Yeah, it's a stigma that could put a company out of business, in my opinion. I don't think there's any difference yeah. between somebody sending an email and somebody sending a text message. Now, there is a difference between an email, text message, a tweet, and instant chat or um, a phone call because those are instant. You're actually communicating with people or communicating with the company. However, unless uh, there's somebody monitoring the social channels or monitoring an inbox on email, uh, you're not typically going to get a response instantly like you would uh, in a chat mode or on even on the phone call. But I, I for those companies that uh, – use the explanation that you just gave us, which is, hey, email's not an urgent way of, of communicating anymore. You know, I, I almost want to cry foul uh, because I think that, <laughs> no, really, I mean, I think for some customers, me included, I send an email, I'm thinking, should I send an email? Should I text message? What's the difference? It's a message to the company. They should respond. So that's just my opinion. And you know what? We're going to have more of my opinion and more of your opinion. And, I lo- and I'm not arguing with you. I think you aren't, you aren't being argumentative. And I, just, I think right. you are, you're being straight up. There are companies that think like you uh, just mentioned. And I think those companies are missing opportunity to amaze their customers. I mean, the, the lack, a lack of response time does two things. Uh, but the biggest thing is it says to the customer, you're not important enough to respond quickly enough, and therefore I am cracking that door open for my competitor to come in and take you away. That's the message that it sends to me. And when we come back, we'll talk more about that. We'll talk more about omni and multi-channel and what the heck this thing is and why we need to stop thinking this way. Murph, you're, uh, I almost want to call you a genius. Can I do that? <laughs> you're a sharp you can dude. If you want. That's you're, fine. you're a sharp That's fine. dude that works for Sharpen. How's that? Here's Sharp, who's got some great ideas. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Amazing Business Radio, and we're hanging out with Murph Krajewski. Don't go away. Chef Hyken here. How would you like customer service training anytime you want it or need it, day or night? Well, with Shepherd Virtual Training, you will have world-class customer service training at your fingertips online 24 7 365 days a year just go to www.shepondemand.com once again that's shepondemand.com and remember always be amazing this is amazing business radio with shep hyken we're back on amazing business radio talking with murph krieski murph you know, we're, we're talking about, I mean, I know I'm getting a little bit off on a rant here about, you know, it drives me crazy. I mean, if you saw the statistics about how long it takes for people to respond on email and Twitter and Facebook, um, I mean, it's hours and hours. And that's average, which means people are skewing the average either direction. Some are like really fast to respond, and those are the companies I love. And then others are taking a day or two to respond, and those are the companies are like, I'm thinking, now, what was that question about that I asked? You know, it's, it's like if I wanted the answer two days from now, I would have waited two days to ask the question. Um, I will right. say maybe it's like, you know, our medical system here in the United States, everybody thinks we have great uh, medical system. And we do have a really good medical system. But, you know, there's other – and what makes one of the things uh, that appeals to our uh, – you know, all the patients and people who need medical help is that it's fast 
medical response. I mean, if we decide we need to go to the emergency room, we go. We may have to wait a, a little while, but we're not going to be waiting two weeks. In other countries, they make you wait long, and by the time you're ready to go in, the ailment's been cleared up. Right. But I, I don't think that's the well, way it works in business. No, and I think the hard thing, too, is, you know, like your preferred method of communication at, at these, like in the example that you were talking about before the break, was using email. Um, and you, just because you are a customer and you prefer email, you should not be penalized because that's preference. The company should realize that their customer wants to use email and figure that out. Like that's on the company to, to handle it well. Um, we've actually got a customer that uses Sharpen. Um, who figured that whole thing out. Like they had a, I, I'm not going to name their name because I didn't get their permission to tell this story on the air, but they are a, they, they produce um, safety products. And so they had a, uh, a warranty return process that used to require somebody to um, send in an email with, you know, like fill out a form and go through all these hoops. And then that email would sit in an inbox for a couple of days until it got processed. And then they would send back an email and say, you know, could you please um, send us some pictures that prove that this thing is broken? And so then they would email back pictures and then they would return again emails to say, um, you know, we're going to send a warranty replacement, but you have to send us pictures that prove that you've destroyed the original one so that, you know, you don't have two of these seats and there's not a broken seat out there. Back and forth, back and forth. This thing used to take multiple weeks, like sometimes over a month. So what they were this wearing the customer they, down. They were. And because they're talking about safety products, you're talking about children. And these are parents who need to keep their kids safe. And so there's a there's a, a an air of urgency about this. Like they're, the clock is ticking. So what they did was they put Sharpen in place and they started using um, different channels. So when they would get one of these warranty claims – they started reaching out over text message. And so what they were able to do was get into a text conversation and send pictures back and forth and handle all the processing right there in one interaction, back and forth, and then send out a, a warranty replacement. They took this thing that, that used to go for weeks. They took it down to like 45 minutes. minutes. Yeah, minutes. And, and uh, so now they've created a customer experience, like you said, that just wows the customer and it solidifies their loyalty because they figured out what channels their customers really wanted to use, put those channels in place, and the agents are happier because they're not dealing with frustrated customers. They're able to be like the superstars. They feel more confident. They're using tools that are more natural, and they're actually helping people. That's the point. I, I like that, and I love that the company figured out uh, a pain point which what I mean how I would imagine there were companies that are companies there were customers that defected from using this company's product and just decided forget about it I this is such a hassle I'm just going to go buy another one but not that brand uh do you think that happened exactly yeah oh I'm sure it happened I mean they you know they didn't give me that specific example but I mean if I was if I was dealing with a warranty process that was going to take that long I can't wait that long to keep my kids safe I've got to have something seat. else. Right. Right. And if this process is so bad, I'm not buying another one. So, I mean, it's almost like backing your customers into a logical corner where they're going to go somewhere else. Yeah. And I, I'm going to ask another question. I don't know yeah. who the company is. I don't know, ultimately, if a 45-minute interaction 
via chat is like still a simple process where the customer says, you know what, these guys were on the ball. Do you think that the company needs to maybe say, look, not all customers are dishonest, so let's just figure that there is a small percentage of people out there that will take advantage of us. Um, but we're not going to penalize the honest people and make them go through a 45-minute long chat with me uh, just to prove that they've destroyed the car seat and that I can send them another one. What can we do? To, I mean, if you were running the company, what would you do to make that customer process easier? Uh, yeah, I, I, I do know that that is a known quantity. The customer that, we're, that I'm talking about, um, they do account for that. They do realize that, you know, sometimes people are going to try to pull things over on them. And so they guard against that as much as they can, as much as is reasonable. Um, and the 45 minutes, by the way, is the entire process, not just the chat portion. It's processing the warranty part claim. It's processing the shipment. It's getting everything out through all systems, like start to finish, you know, the, the shipment is going out within that time frame. So that's, I didn't want to make it sound like they were making their customers, you know, do it. A 45 minute dance before they made a decision to send it out. Okay, good. So I like that. I like that. They became very, you know, I love it when I hear a story. It's like a turnaround, uh, a customer service turnaround story where they've made such a difficult process easy. And I often uh, ask my clients, you know, how easy are you to do business with? And they go, what do you mean? I mean, how easy are you? When's the last time you tried to buy something from yourself? When's the last time you tried to reach customer support? When's the last time? You try to return something. How easy was it? How hard was it? Have you actually, you know, picked up the phone and mystery shopped your own company? You would be amazed at how many executives have not done that. They have no idea what it's like to do business with themselves. And just read another interesting statistic. Uh, And by the way, this stat has been around for for years and years Uh, Only the numbers have changed ever so slightly, but the stat is this. If you ask an executive about his or her company, how do you think you're doing in customer service, they will say, oh, we're doing great. They'll paint this rosy picture, and then you go out to the customers and ask them, how do you think this company is doing? And the numbers are – there's a gap in there. That gap is dangerous, and that's the gap that that potentially puts you out of business. Yeah, I've seen that. Uh, I've seen stats like that. It's almost like a, a mirror image flip. The numbers are so yeah, drastically yeah. separated. Wouldn't it be nice if the uh, leadership of a business was conservative and say, you know what, we really try real hard. We've put a lot of processes in place, but I know we can do better. And then you go out to the customer and ask, well, how do you think they're doing? Oh, man, they're just, like, amazing to work with. <laughs> and I love the company. You know, it's like the athlete that always strives to be even better. Sure, it's nice to win the gold, but I wanted to also get the world record or the other way right. around. Or maybe, the, yeah, I guess if you win the gold and the world record, it's a it's a, a big deal. But, you know, it's you, uh, I, I love that, you know, you've got to flip the gap. And uh, hey, maybe that, well, and I'd, yeah, that might be my I'd next actually, article. I'd like to, <laughs> if you add a third facet to that and ask the agents who are providing service mm-hmm. how their company is doing. Yep. Because I think what you'll find is that many agents are frustrated that they can't provide better service. And so that's why the contact center agent like turnover rate for job turnover is 45%. It's crazy. Yeah, because like, they it's they a don't, revolving they door. The tools. And that's so frustrating. 
I know there are people that thrive on on other people's problems and love to help solve them. That's what they mm-hmm. love to do, and that's why they're the best support center agent until you don't give them the tools to do so. And then all that love right. for it becomes frustration. You know, their hands are right. All right. All right. Believe it or not, <laughs> we are to a point where we need to take another short break. And when we come back, we'll get back into talking about Omni and multi-channel and maybe some ideas that you have about how to in- improve and maybe even perfect the customer's experience. Now, that's a big word, perfect. All right. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away. Want to amaze your customers and trust the people you work with and outshine your competition? Going from average to amazing isn't an out-of-reach goal. In fact, amazement is a habit that anyone can master. In my latest book, Be Amazing or Go Home, I share the secrets behind my mantra, which is to always be amazing. Drawing on the routines of incredible people, I share simple practices that can elevate your game. Once you master those habits, you'll be able to create trust, build stronger relationships, make sales, advance your career, and much more. Now is the time to step out of ordinary and step into being amazing. Be Amazing or Go Home is now available on Amazon.com, an ebook and hardcover. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back and we're talking with uh, Murph Kryeski over at Sharpen. And yeah, yeah, we love it. And, and, you know, we're staying sharp and we're honing our customer experience skills as we speak to Murph. Um, so Murph, we've talked about a lot of different things. First, we started with the whole concept of omni-channel and multi-channel and the Mm -hmm. mindset and how, uh, it's sometimes confusing to customers as well as the company. And we've kind of narrowed down to thinking like, you know, let's get rid of the channel. So let's start there. And as we were wrapping up the last break, I mentioned the, the perfect experience or how to, you know, perfect the experience. So let's, let's chat about that in the time that we have remaining. Yeah. Well, I think when you're, we have to attack it from two different sides. One is we have to think about it from the, the agent who is providing service. And we have to think about it from the customer side who's looking for service. Um, and so I, I think one of the things, like one of the places where uh, omni-channel got so confusing was, you know, back around the, the early 2000s um, when contact center vendors, like I had mentioned, had kind of grabbed hold of that term from marketing contexts right. and saw it as a chance. Uh, you know, at the time, contact centers were selling this concept called multi-channel. Um, and multi-channel is exactly what it sounds like. It's, you know, phone, email, fax, web chat, whatever, Ooh, blah, blah, blah. Do you still own and a they fax created, <laughs> You know what? People actually still fax. Our software <laughs> even faxes too. I, I, I'm always surprised. Um, but so at that time, they were selling this list of channels. And so omni-channel started getting talked about, and they were like, well, gosh, omni's one more than multi, so let's start selling that. But they grabbed the term, and they, they tried to force it into their feature list. So what that created was a really great situation for contact center vendors because now they've got this bullet list of features that they can charge companies for as line items. And then they started creating this fear around it by saying, well, you got to be sure that you have all the channels. Like your customers want all these channels. you got to have them. And if you don't have them, you're going to get trumped by everybody else. So it creates this sort of uh, this culture of fear where companies are now trying to uh, keep up with the imaginary Joneses, essentially, 
and try to buy this list of features. So that's great for contact center vendors, but it's horrible for companies because now their thinking is completely out of line. So that's kind of what, what, I, what Sharpen is trying to do is reset that mindset. Let's get back to the original. Um, and so, you know, when we're talking about practical things that companies can do, I think the first thing that I would advise a company to do is stop thinking about channels. Just stop it for, for five minutes. Quit thinking about channel and reject the assumption that omni-channel is a list of features. It's just a concept. What you want to do is get into your customer's head, learn everything you can about your customers, find out all the ways that they're trying to get in touch with you, and then match that up with the experience you want your customers to have. How do you want them to feel? How do you want them to um, react after they've talked to you? Are they going to tell their friends about you? Are they going to become your advocate? Are they going to be loyal? All of those things. And that, all of those aspects, is what Sharpen calls the perfect customer experience. We think it's, that's what you're aiming for, um, and that puts the horse in front of the cart. All right, so this is really important because what you've basically said is let the customer define what the perfect experience is. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Great. And that, exactly. Yeah, and that is putting the horse before the cart. Uh, because usually it's like, hey, let's sit down and, and let's map out our experiences and let's try to create some great experiences for customers. But you know what, friends, all those listening, the customer decides whether or not the experiences you are creating are good or bad. It's not, I mean, you think you're doing it. You want them to feel that way. That's how you want to be perceived. But at the end of the day, the customer scores you. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and so, you know, there are also some practicalities to account for. So you've got you know, business requirements, you've got, um, you know, regulations that your, your industry may require, you've got all of these different uh, kind of machines that you've got to satisfy in the process of creating that customer experience. And so, you know, this is where Sharpen kind of differs from, from the rest of our industry, where uh, most of the vendors will sell a system that becomes some of those limiting factors. Like, we can only do this for our customers because our software hits a wall at some point or it doesn't let us customize to this particular degree. And where Sharpen is different is we believe that the business requirements, the customer experience, the agent experience are the things that should define what's happening. And the technology should simply support that. It should flow through those gears like oil. It should take on the shape of whatever the business is trying to accomplish. That's where Sharpen comes in. All right, very good. All right, we're going to wrap this up with the one thing question. So we've talked about a lot of different things. I know the original concept we, we started out with was, you know, what the heck is omni-channel and, you know, mm-hmm. how do we get rid of this notion of the omni-channel and just focus on the perfect customer experience. If you could leave us with one thing, a thought, uh, something different or something you want to emphasize, what would that be? Uh, I think I would give some encouragement to business owners, to those who are trying to support their customers, that um, getting in the mindset of omnichannel is not a uh, a rip and replace type of thing. It's not a giant overhaul. It's not necessarily a uh, a traumatic experience. Um, it's just the beginning of getting into your customer's head and reorienting the way that you're serving them by thinking of them first 
rather than feeling limited by business processes or software systems or hardware systems. I mean, still, people are still using some hardware-based systems. Um, I would just say, take deep breaths, take a step back, put yourself in your customer's shoes, and just begin there. And let that journey take you where it will, and don't be intimidated by it. Um, and in the end, you're going to see ROI, you're going to see happier agents, you're going to see happier customers, um, and the numbers are going to go up. Right. I love it. And I'm, I wrote a poem. Uh, I wrote this poem a long time ago. It's a one-sentence mm-hmm. poem. It goes like this. Think like the buyer, not like the supplier. I would have said mm. think like the customer, but I didn't have a word to rhyme with customer. Think like the customer, not like right. the customer. So and basically that's what you're saying. Get in the heads of your customers. Understand what they want, the way they want to communicate with you. That's what it's all about. It's not a daunting process of trying to figure out how should we get to them or how should we make it easy. You know, go and talk to your customers. Figure out what they want and go from there. And by the way, it doesn't matter if you have a contact center or you are a solo entrepreneur just fielding occasional calls. Get in your customers' heads, find out what they want, and then deliver the experience that meets, if not exceeds, their expectations. And that's the company, or that's the, the customer that will come back to the company over and over again. Murph, as always, it's been great to have you on the show, man. You're awesome, filled with information. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, love you for that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is why we call it Amazing Business Radio, because we have amazing insights from people like Murph Krajewski over at Sharpen. And uh, Murph, thank you again. And everybody, I'm looking forward to next week. We'll have another amazing episode. And until then, remember my favorite words, always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.